Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Central Division Hockey, the podcast presents a special pop-up, basically campfire edition of the first class podcast. Warren Smith with me. I'm Tim Bigelow, and so we're going to talk all things Winnipeg Jets hockey for as long as we take thoughts after camp, heading up to what will be close to the final cuts, because I think when we looked at it, um, I think they still got to make two more cuts based on what Cap Friendly is telling me this morning, and we don't know if Harkins is going to get taken off of waivers or not, um, so we'll dive into that, um, but the first thing um, that I, since the uh, team only Jets podcast I did, which Warren will share completely different opinions than I will on uh, this roster coming up this year. Um, it would be the glass, the one, well, no, the tank. What did I say? The tank near full view uh, from you. Tank empty, tank full. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's full. a jet, eh? And the first thing was they took the wheels off the jet before the season began and stripped them of the captaincy. Do you have any, I really don't have any thoughts on this. If you watched the Winnipeg Jets last year, you know why he got stripped of the sea. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty obvious, right? I feel like it was kind of one of those things. It's, it's a different situation, but I mean, somewhat comparable to Andrew Ladd, except there wasn't a, a guy in the waiting that just, there's guys that kind of look like they could be captains. Like Adam Lowry's a guy for me. I mean, maybe even Josh Morrissey, a choir captain, you know, they're guys that could step up and fill that role, but it wasn't as obvious as like when wheels took over for lad, we just, everybody knew that. Remember that we just felt the vibe like that was going to be the, the captain apparent, right? The guy that was going to walk in and fill those shoes, but the leadership group and the way they interacted with Pomo and with his uh, clone after uh, Lowry, you could just uh, see the writing on the wall that he was going to lose the seat. You got to start. If you're if you're going to bring in a new coach, all the new coaches, you want to start fresh. You kind of, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's not shocking. But to me, and, 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 and you can agree or disagree, but Wheeler's captaincy was actually de facto from day one because the real guy that ran the room was Dustin Bufflin and he yeah. just didn't want to be the captain. Yeah, Dustin Bufflin didn't want to do all the post. He hated doing post-game interviews and shit like that. And he hated so, talking. So, he hated the uh, mundane, boring redundancy of the situation, right? Wheels is more was more capable. He became that later on, right? He got sick of that shit like the last couple of years. But, yeah, no. Yeah, Bufflin but that... The energy. He was the X factor. He was the guy. They were they were kind of like the yank to the angle, right? Yeah. Wheels is like Captain Serious, you know? And then... Buff was the opposite the guy that kept everything light in the room, you know. But I think, but I think in the locker room, really, that was until Buff stepped away. You can make an argument that he really was the captain, and all that it was was basically Wheeler was wearing the C to do what Buff didn't want to do. I don't know, man. Wheels to me was like really consistent for a few years there, like very consistent. You're, you knew what to expect from. Buff, remember years ago when we did the podcast, it was like he just took the first half of the season off straight West Coast. And remember we thought talking yeah. about that shit? And it's like, it feels like such a Because he time. could. He was that good. He could. He could. And he did, which is slightly, <laughs> slightly annoying, right? Because it's just like he could just dominate if he chose to. And then times he just didn't, you know? It's just, that's why it's like, I don't know. How many guys around the league that are the funny guy on the team that, that keeps everybody light? How many of them are the captains? Generally speaking, it's like the serious guys, right? So yeah. I do agree. Like when it comes to 
being in and out of the lineup, which guy affects you more? Fuck, it changed the whole direction of the franchise when Buff left, right? So Yeah, but did, kind of- but, the, but the whole thing on that, too, is, though, that's when Wheeler kind of struggled with his captaincy was after Buff was gone, too. If you look at the yeah. timeline on it. I agree. I think I think uh, we don't know the behind-the-scenes conversations, but I think the relationship with ha- he had with Buff helped Wheeler. Definitely, it helped him um, – do the things he needed to do, you know, to be a leader. And then when he lost Buff, yeah, he just didn't have another guy that could be like him and Shife were tight, but it wasn't the same kind of thing, you know. So yeah, I know the wheels being stripped situation. I think it needed to happen, you know, if you're going to change the culture. And it's they're not the first team to do it, you know. There's been fucking shit like whoops, I don't know if I'm allowed, I'm allowed to drop that phone on this. Uh, my bad, but uh, sorry. We might end up having it. I don't know if uh, YouTube. YouTube may not may not appreciate it, but but like remember Luongo being named the captain, which is weird for the Vancouver Canucks, and like many teams since have done the assistants not picking a captain. The weird time in San Jose when they did the thing with uh, what was it uh, when they took they stripped Thornton mid season, like that was way weirder. So like to do it at the end of the season, there's been more awkward situations than the Wheeler situation. You know, before I thought it was a little weird that maybe they didn't release the shit like in the off season. To wait to like the day before kind of situation that was kind of weird for me but it was still know. the off season it's the day before training camp started yeah i know it's the ideal it, time to do it yeah i don't know. I feel like that was well thought out it's like uh, here we go we're going to provide a distraction for why chevy didn't make any moves here's a perfect distraction you know what i mean they thought that through like we're just gonna wait a little bit but but also the shelf life of doing it right the day of the day before training camp means that other storylines prop up really fast out of out of camp so it doesn't linger if we if they do that at the end of the season then you've got that whole runway right where where you got to do it i think the timing of it i'll never fault the jets on the timing of this stuff the other thing is i love the way they got ahead of it for sure i just think it was like literally on the cusp of being too late it was like the perfect time ish you know maybe a little earlier but like they did it when they needed to do it you know and uh now it's like, who's going to step forward? Who's going to be that guy, you know? And how much will Wheels continue to lead? So far in the preseason, I've liked his effort level. I mean, he's still logo hunts. And, you know, offensively, he didn't he didn't really show out much. He didn't show up. I remember just, uh, was I texting you or texting my other buddies who were talking about how, like, Wheels looked like a ghost? You know, he looked like he was kind of a ghost out there not doing much. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, because I didn't watch all the preseason, I watched a couple of the last ones purposely. Because the first week of training camp does not matter anything other than if a guy really stands out, we'll talk about one of the guys that did. However, um, I just looked at Perfetti and Dubois and being like, man, this dead weight of Wheeler is like if they had another line, mate, you know, that would make a great line. I mean, and the other one was Sam Gagne, who's going to play like fourth line, was better on the first power play unit that one preseason game than Wheeler was on it. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if it's like the old guard where it's kind of like they feel like it has to run through them. It used to, right? Had to run through wheels, but it's like they had that fluidity and freedom to like just play their game and all like attack at the same time. You know, it's not just wait, finding open space and just waiting for Wheeler to do everything. So, yeah, but you got to remember though, there's another factor on the time and space that Wheeler had versus what he didn't have last year when it kind of started to have troubles and it's Patrick Liney's not there because yeah. you had Liney on one side, you had Kyle Connor on the other side and Wheeler had all day. Cause they would let Wheeler hold the puck to do the setup because he's the least threat out there on that power play unit. But you took out that one now with Ehlers and KC, right? With fly and, and KC there. Now it's kind of back to that, but it was Gagne who was, you know, cutting through seams and basically creating chaos. Then Wheeler in that stationary spot. That's that's the whole doesn't work, right? It's the interchangeable parts. It's the switching. It's not being so locked in one spot, but that's Wheeler. That's Wheeler's the guy that's most guilty of that. Yeah. Always years he got away with it actually if you back if you backed up the tape even farther the story even farther it's like 
you just brought up before about the leadership thing, captain situation. It kind of connects to that. Remember Big Buff had the booming shot that scared everybody from the point. He missed the net half the, half the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but uh, having him, and then when at the time they had Buff and then they had Lining for a short period of time, right? So you had the big shot on both sides. So that provided so much more space on the ice. You take away Buff, then you take away Lining. I mean, it, your world shrinks pretty quick, right? Well, because then, because then teams will key and cheat on it. That's the one thing, like, uh, I think in Nashville and L.A. Tovalin, uh two years ago, half his goals of that kid were, were on the power play. Teams were cheating to Philip Forsberg on his side that entire year. That's why Tovalin had good power play goal numbers. He'd be left wide open, and the kid had a great shot. And you have Line and you had Kyle Connor on opposite ends on that trifecta with Shifley kind of, you know, adjustable in it. Yeah, Wheeler was given time and space because they didn't want Line having it. They don't want KC having it. You know that look off pass by Gagne, the second one. That's not the one talked about. The one that Euler sniped where he had all yeah, the time. Yeah. The, yeah. That was dirty. Man. Like, you know what's weird? Blake Wheeler ain't yeah. doing that. Blake, that? Wheeler, Blake Wheeler isn't doing that play, man. I'd rather. Yeah, he's, he I'd, isn't looking at the back point for, uh, for Ehlers on that play. He's still looking around the ice trying to find Shife, see where he's at. You know what I mean? That's just reality. Yeah. But, and I, yeah. look, Wheeler. Wheeler was two to three to one assists in his career in the, in the good years, you know, like he put up some numbers in his, but yeah, his drop off, there's a real drop off, man. That two minutes of his five on five time on ice needed to really happen and get him off the special teams. There are better players yeah, on this Jets 100%. team. Like yeah, and then you can roll out on the PK. I'm okay with that. You just can't touch the power play. Like at this point in his career with the dynamic players, the Jets have, like guys like deep behind him on the on the depth or sorry that farther down the line right now and guys like let's say that are going to be playing on the moose that probably should still be up with the Jets should be on that power play over Blake Wheeler. I'm cool with him five on five rolling out on that third line protect with Appleton and Lyles. That's 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 a good spot for him. Block some shots. That's not happening. Get in there. He throw he threw a few few uppercuts protecting his teammates. Being a good teammate like that character guy on the bench he's getting paid way too much to be that role but i mean it is what it is but it's, no it's, way it's zach it's zach parisi like in minnesota where one year he basically had his last year as a top um top six player and then he was relegated to the fourth line because the drop-off was that real they did the buyout it was a good decision yeah. and i and i got all day for zach parisi who has a chip like he's won a cup you know but um, when I look at it, I look at Wheeler and I'm the same thing. Sometimes and it's clear as day, right? Like he shouldn't, it should be Morgan Barron with Lyles and Appleton on the third line. Yeah. Like Blake, we, Blake Wheeler is the fourth line right winger. If we have another top six right winger. Remember last year we're messaging at the end. I was like, I'm watching this kid, man. He like literally dominates. Like I know it's the AHL, but like he's just shaking guys off his check, dominating just making plays the way it sounds when it hits the back when he missed the net and just like how hard a shot was like this guy's got offense. He can skate for a big dude. Like he a hundred percent should be on the third line of Appleton. That's a nice line, you know? Yeah. Wheel should be on the fourth line. Yeah. And, and then, and then, his, and then at his salary, if you can't trade him, trade an asset and trade him. Yeah. Buy out. You buy it out. You eat it. Yeah. We're in and there's one there's one top six spot that basically that's the the spot he's taking there isn't my argument was there's nobody else to really play up in that spot but yet at this point it's very clear he should not be there like you look at you look at either one of those guys getting a shot Appleton's a right-handed shot so that'd be cool with Appleton rolling up there you know having an opportunity we talked about that I know you like apples too he's a good he's a good yeah, player yeah. Didn't do much last year, but the team is on its junk. But like, but but you okay? So instead of apps apples playing with Lowry, you throw yeah. him up there with Dubois and Perfetti. Perfetti. And you tell me, and you tell me he's not going to put up some numbers because he did yeah. the one year in the A. Yeah, he did. Remember he played with like KC. Yeah, uh, 
when he, he, he got a shot a couple times in the top six, like when there was injuries a couple yep. years ago, and he was unreal. He, he did what Harkins did and then some. See, I would, my argument was I wanted to put apples with uh, KC and, and roll Shifley or Dubois between them. I didn't even care who played center. But I thought I actually thought it would be nice to have Dubois between Apples and KC and then run my second line would have been Shifley with Perfetti and Ehlers. That's the combos, however you slice it, they yeah. just the, the end equations, wheels isn't in them. Yeah. Like he isn't your top six. You have you could put Baron, who hasn't been as proven as Appleton, I'd say he's a little bit more uh yeah. in the leap longer, but he has that upside from what he's seen, he's just been Hard on the forecheck, big body. Like, I like him with Laos. That's a beast line. I like the men aligning with them. Those three guys, they're all like, what, 6'4", 6'5", 210, 220, 230, I don't know. Right around there, they're, they're big boys. They can all skate. That's a beast shutdown line. So, but then Apples, he's now he's in the Just wheels is the fucking most problematic situation in the world. Yeah, so so we get that. But, you know, like, we'll talk about it. I guess we'll talk. I guess we're going to talk about the, the forwards first, man. I guess that's... Yeah, that's what's going down. We here. should mention again. You um, told me about Harkins. I hadn't heard the word yet. Just in, you know, and the factor sadness with the Blue Jays, and okay. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, but so, okay. Was, so wrap uh, up the top six because I'm sure you like KC okay. Shifley and Ehlers right now, right? Yeah. yeah, I've been wanting that for a couple of years. So yeah. I'm excited to see that play out. Yeah. So so that's that's a good sign. Then, like I said, you've got Perfetti Dubois, and you've got somebody who's not top six Fetty to X. Yeah. 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 Not, not and, and there's not a Jets fan that wouldn't agree with you on that exact assessment. It's yeah, I don't think I'm breaking I don't think I'm breaking like just crazy news here that that's that is obvious. You can see yeah. it. It's crazy. You can see, like we talked about, um, it just stood out the players that didn't belong, like they didn't play well. Yeah. You know, uh, Wheels does not look like he should be on the top six, he doesn't skate as well, he's slower. Um, the few times he had a chance, he did logo hunt, you know, classic. And then you could see the difference when Brad Lambert was out with them on the power play, that yeah. unbelievable tic-tac-toe. So, real so the consensus on it, and, and that was it, Saku Menelainen looked good with Lowry and Appleton, but Barron looked just as good in, yeah. in action in that spot. Kind of doppelgangers, like surprisingly. Like, you know, yeah. the, they look very similar the way they play. So like now one of them is on the third line, one of them's on the fourth line. And uh, and you want to talk about Harkins who may clear waivers. I and what the technically I don't think it's officially um I keep trying to up, update Twitter to see if any news on him getting picked up. I think he clears. I think he's going to the A. Um but no. Menelinen basically took his spot on the roster. Yeah. Well, you're in though. He was, he was a beast on four check. He had some, he showed some offensive skill with that slick toe drag and a couple other plays. He went hard to the net, you know, and he's a, he's a big boy on the cycle with Lowry. They were strong. Like time, yeah. that's what you want your third line or fourth line doing. You want them to be able to uh, handle the half wall, leaving the zone, win battles for you, win puck battles, strong uh, cycle. And he gives you that. But they need, they need production from that third line. But you know what though? The same thing is uh, bones. Being the coach, um, and and that's by the way, that's Rick Bonus's nickname. Remember, I've covered this team actually the entire time. The entire time Rick Bonus was coaching Dallas, because I was covering the team before when Montgomery had his incident actually in Winnipeg of all places, um, and was relieved of his duties and went into the treatment program, and now he's coaching uh, in the Eastern Conference as a head coach, but. So Rick Bonus, you know, a guy like Radic Faxa, they had a shutdown line in Dallas. Where uh, and actually when they started, it was kind of uh Como Faxa. I want to say they did another, and I can't remember who the third part of it was, but they kind of had a de facto kind of, but they do need more offense out of that. Um, I think Barron more than men aligning gives them more offense out of that. But yeah. if He's pretty electric, man. Like he's he can snipe like legit. So and I like I said, I still think or still sorry, think Appleton has the potential to be able to get more. And you know what? Lowry's game is so complete now. Like I, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about that. And the fourth line, then you kind of 
I want to say Christian Reichel, you know, ending up getting injured was kind of a, uh, a bad part of that. Cause I really had him, um, Kevin Stenland who had time in the NHL is now cleared waivers. He's going to start with the moose, but there's a guy that had some NHL games that couldn't make this lineup. Um, you know, Todd Anando and Gustafson to me were kind of comparable. Todd Anando actually to me had a very, he had a really positive, uh, he had, he had a positive preseason. Like he was, he was a good player for them. Like, well, he had that nice goal coming out of the box, but just did a lot of things well. He surprised me how much, because I was thinking he was on the bubble. I was thinking there was a chance that like even he, with his experience in the league and everything, I thought, I wasn't sure. He wasn't a lock to me. And I think he earned his spot. Just like, you know, like I would say, well, we're not moving on to the D, but that's how I feel about Tabello as well. I feel like both those two guys were guys that, that to me in my head were bubble players that could be replaced by younger players, but they both proved that they, were the right guys for the job, you know. Gagne's around. a good pickup. I think Gagne's an excellent pickup. I'm surprised. Of I'm course, what, what, honest, man, I was hating not when I'm watching, was watching Gagne on five on five. I was like, man, he's slow. Like, he can't move. That's always been the knock on Gagne. He's never been a skater. He always could put up production, has great hands. But it's like, can he keep up with this team? Like, he's like, his feet are in quicksand. And then I literally just texted that to uh, my buddies, uh, Dan and Devin, I messaged them. I literally just said, like, man, this guy is so slow. And then sweet little slick play with uh, Casey. I was like, I'll shut my mouth right here. I'll, I can live with that. If he's, yeah. if, he's not doing, if he's not doing shit on the 5-on-5, but he he's might roll in the power play and set up guys like that. But he's playing fourth line. He's going to play yeah. fourth line minutes. Yeah. But, yeah. He, but he brings special teams. Yeah, he might, he might be an okay guy. You know, like so far, you know. You say not much. The preseason doesn't matter, but like those small window passes. Well, come on, do the do the laundry list. Do the laundry list of this guy is the best attempt at a fourth line because he actually played top six in his prime, versus like this isn't the second coming of Mark Latesta, who was the second coming of. Do you know what I mean? Like those guys had no value. Yeah, it's kind of what we always talk about. A lot of the chip teams are best teams. Um, have guys on their bottom six, like you just said, that used to be top six players. And he played for Detroit last year, right? And he was, I thought, I thought when I saw him in small sample size, he was pretty decent when I watched the games because my buddy's a big red. Yeah, but De- Detroit was such a weird team with all the youth that they have in that lineup. You could watch them and they'd look great. And then they'd end up giving up. All, like they had that one game where it was like, I don't know, it ended up, it was a football score. It was like with Toronto where it was like, 11 to 10 or something by the time the thing ended. It was like 7-6 after the second period. It was just uh, it was like river hockey, like beauty league in the summer, but an actual regular season game. I actually watched the rest of that game. And it's like, if they had any defense, but they're fun to watch. Oh, yeah, because, you know, Dylan Larkin, they, they've got guys, the young guys. They're basically one of their guys is going to win rookie of the year. Yeah. Yeah, well, he won. He won. He won Rookie of the Year. I'm not blanking. Oh, I'm I'm drawing a blank too. You got a real, yeah. Cider, more yeah, cider. cider. Yeah. yeah. So they they've got guys like they've got guys on that team, but they didn't have. It was just it was just the fact that like he accepted a bottom six role, a top six guy. He's he's, he's done it already. It's not like yeah. we're moving him from the top six yeah. and be like you have to play bottom six, kind of like wheel yeah. situation. Yeah. He's 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 done it already. Is, is he's fine with it and like to give him a little bit of power play time i'm sure he's loved that like in a chance to play with casey and yours and yeah yeah it could be good fit like you said like i think i thought the same thing's funny great minds think alike about like about the comparison to maddie pro frenchy yeah. you know the only thing to me is he doesn't have that the same kind of forecheck that maddie pro did that i've seen so far but uh the way he can slip into that like power play unit when you need it and he has a good hands for a guy that's on the bottom six yeah and that's all you need because you're not going to have, they're going to have low minutes on that line. They're really going to run that 10 and minutes. And he may not be there like every night. He might be a guy that you just insert here and there like when, when they're struggling. Say one of the units is struggling, you might just throw Ghani on the unit and take a guy off if they're not doing well. Who knows? We'll see, I guess. But yeah, we'll see. We'll that'll be interesting. Will they start him on the first power play unit because of how successful they were? Or will they just go back to like, what is expected kind of thing? Will they just put wheels out with them just because kind of thing hurt? But then, but then the question, the question, short of an injury, right? Um, 
that we got to ask ourselves is uh like on the uh on the depth chart like you were you they're they're gonna drop another they gotta drop another forward off this one of these guys who's left? who's left i'm like i don't have my i don't have any sheets in front of me i don't have my phone who's left that this potential cut oh maybe cap friendly's got it maybe they did do the update here before we got on here have i got should be right cap, cap friendly right now is Gus, Gagne, and Tondonato as the fourth line. The third line exactly as we said. The second line exactly like we said, and the first line exactly like we said. Um, and you think Gus, Gagne, and Tondonato, and then where's Menelainen? Menelainen would be the healthy scratch. Mm. I don't know about that. I don't know and about yeah, that. like basically that has. That that's everybody. That's enough forwards and keeping. That's, that's good, man. That's that's some pretty good depth. If you have to take Tonana out, out and put Menelainen in, him, that's nice, you know. Uh, and Eric Comrie's now in Buffalo on a one point eight million per because Winnipeg couldn't spend nine hundred k more on the backup goalie, so they get uh, big sieve. Dave. Shutty, man, shutty. Preseason doesn't matter. Repeat after me. Preseason doesn't matter. 900K. That's the difference, though. You got an apple, dude. You got an apple. You got an apple. Winging it up the ice. Transition. Hell, he doesn't get apples. He doesn't get up the ice for apples. Basically, with that apple and the shutty, he's essentially pushing Hell out of the spot. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Which, if he plays, that's the knock on him. He's supposed to play. Uh, a lot of minutes to be better in, in the crease. Um, and he struggled behind UC Saros in Nashville because he didn't play enough. Well, that's a concern then, obviously. And then uh, signs like, with the team. Like Omri is used to not playing as many minutes and he was, he's growing in through practice and he was hungry, right? As an older guy, yeah, it might be harder to. So, so you, so, so you complain about the number of games played behind UC Saros, who was periphery near um you know vesna conversation and has been over the last couple of years not quite but he's right on the cusp of that um and then you go to winnipeg who has connor hallibuck and that and, and hallibuck's gonna play just as many if not more games than Saros does in a regular season so my concern is that riddick basically is walking into another situation where there's going to be times where he's just not playing and he has to be ready for when he is. He look, Nashville, Nashville played Riddick when Soros got hurt. Game one against Colorado. It was six nothing. Pretty much after two periods. They were out like in the first period just because Riddick couldn't make a save. And they played Connor Ingram, their top prospect, young 20-something-year-old, the rest of the series. Now they didn't win, but they sure were more competitive. Riddick never even got back in the net. Yeah. <laughs> That's not so this is the same situation. So how are they going to have different results? Fresh start though, man, right? The whole team, it's all about fresh start, new beginnings and uh, resetting and hopefully the dynamics of the team, you know? No, it's, like you're, it's like you just know that he had that one good year where he kind of stole the starter job in Calgary. That's what you remember. And that's so many years removed now. It's irrelevant. Yeah, but I'm not that concerned because I feel like Helene's going to have a really good bounce back year. I yeah. was really hard on him last year, but I, I'm pumped to watch him play. I know, again, it's a preseason, but he looked so positionally sound. He made some really athletic saves. He looked locked in. Like, for but, preseason, he, there was no coasting by Helene. He was locked. Yeah, so, but if you take those you games... You react when, when Calgary's running him and shit? Like, what's, with, what's Calgary's deal now? Did you notice how many times? Like, four or five times they unnecessarily, like ran into Helly accidentally like running him over like borderline honest injured him a couple times and Helly kept his cool like usually Helly has a little bit of a hot streak you know where he wants to block her guys in the head and stuff but he was no oh, okay but that's a that's a that's a Sutter coach team that this got shut out yeah in, I know. in I Winnipeg did, in Winnipeg and 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 Sutter didn't like the what didn't he like the effort 
They're back at home. They're yeah, back he, at he home. Went off on them, eh? And then and he went off on them in the post game. Yeah. Yeah, and so they get their final game at home and Winnipeg's still beating them after a really good second period. And that's when the shenanigans was happening. Yeah. Because if they don't, Sutter's not happy. They they should be winning their last game at home when they're the quote-unquote expected team to win the Pacific Division or you're yeah. picking Edmonton. But a lot of people are picking Calgary. Yeah, well, Winnipeg was pucking them hard with, this, yeah. with, our, with, our, with our speed and our skill and opportunistic as well. Like, not just but shooting. It's preseason. It it's is a preseason. But those lineups were very close <clears throat> to what the lineups are going to be, minus like a couple players. We yeah. smoked them with Dubois without wheels. Wheels, maybe whatever, but no Dubois. PLD was great the last <laughs> couple of games. Yeah. That's addition by subtraction. <laughs> it is. Um, so I, you know what, like, and, and, and the other part of that too, is that you kind of want to talk, um, like as it was talking about it. Um, yeah. If Ellie has his, remember that Huberto play, I've got to sometimes it props the other team. How dirty was that, that, that spinner ammo pass? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I almost, I almost went on to Twitter. I wanted, I wanted to go onto Twitter and be like, yeah, you know what? Josh Morrissey's cut because that was on my boy. No, of course, and of course, that's not true. You know, I'm not having him cut. But, 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 but if I just straight put that up there, I'd they people would have gone off on me. But he undressed, he undressed JMO to, to, to set that up. It was beautiful. He's a really underrated. He finally got a little love last year. I thought for the last few years, he's been really underrated. Dan, so glad we were able to meet today. Thanks for coming over. Whoa, what's that? Pretty awesome, right? It's my new FlexiSpot E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Goes from sitting to standing with the push of a button. You know, I've been thinking about getting a desk like that. I have back pain from being in a chair all day, but I feel like they're either cheap and flimsy or crazy expensive. That's why I went with FlexiSpot. This desk is super sturdy, but totally affordable. The base is made of automotive grade carbon steel. Sit on it. Okay. Hey, this is cool. All right, I want in on one of these. Where do I find FlexiSpot? Just go to their website, FlexiSpot.com. And go right now because they're giving an extra $80 off their already low prices. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF to get an extra $80 off the E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Backed by an industry-leading 15-year warranty. Don't wait. This special offer will not last long. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF. That's F-L-E-X-I-S-P-O-T.com. Go to FlexiSpot.com now. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com slash holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com slash holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com slash holiday. So while we wrap up the goaltending, we want to talk about, of course, who would have been most likely uh, a guy that had to clear waivers that would have likely started with the Moose if he did, and that would have been Mikhail Burden. Winnipeg doesn't have to put him through waivers because on the advice and recommendation of the NHL, NHLPA Substance Abuse and Behavioral Health Program, legit words, uh, Mikhail Burden was basically allowed to be loaned with the NHL's permission to uh, go back um, home to play this year. So that saved Winnipeg potentially losing him through waivers because he wasn't waiver exempt. Um, it brings, I believe, Arvid home would be the next guy up on the depth chart after um, 
David Riddick, questions I want to ask you is like, I don't even have that as good a record as, as um, Comrie did. I almost think there's five games right there that Winnipeg doesn't win because of Riddick in that instead of, instead of Comrie. How old is Riddick? What's that? How old, how old is Riddick? Uh, 29. So, you know, his best years, you know, he could be just hitting his prime, though. You know, big save. Big save Dave, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I said earlier. He's had that one big year with Calgary where he got the starters crease. He couldn't maintain it. He's bounced around through several teams now. And when he's not playing, he's not consistently that good of a goalie. I think the Jets are going to be a way better team in front of him. I'm pumped. I have that glass half full mentality of yeah, what I've seen. I so I feel like, I feel like he's, he's not up. I think we're going to have enough offense to make up for maybe the odd bad goal that goes in. This year, I think the way they're playing the game is substantially different. Way harder on the four check. Breakout is way faster, way more crisp. D jumping up in the play. And when, I mean, Riddick, the game he got his shutty, they cleared out the front of the net. There was no no shenanigans, rebounds, really. But I'm not really concerned about that. Now that you mentioned the thing about uh, Burden, I care more about that. Like, I like going to Moose games. You go to watch Burden, you're going to watch a show. That guy is trying to score goals. He is blockering people in the head. He's a hilarious goalie to watch. Plus, he's really like, He's got crazy. He lets out bad rebounds sometimes. Crazy athletic. So I'm gonna miss watching him at the boost. So to me, that's the more interesting. <laughs> to be honest, Riddick, I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine. He's not gonna get a lot of games. Let's be serious. Helly's gonna own that crease. He's gonna bounce back here. He's gonna play a lot of games. Helly does not like sitting out games. And we'll see how bonus runs it. And 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 I just don't know how how Riddick can do that in low games because that's when he struggles most. That was the knock when he was in Nashville last year. Anyways, that's one concern for me as a backup goaltending. And I'm just cheesed that Winnipeg didn't have an extra 900K to just bring Comrie back. Yeah. Like, really good team guy, too. Everybody loved Comrie, it seems like. Yeah. You know? And Howellbuck liked him as his backup. And he was supportive in that role. Yeah. And he knew the role. It just, I have no, no idea. No idea. So, okay, so if we talk about the defense, and I guess uh, you, we were talking about it, DeMello is back with J-Mo. Yeah. Like, which is the best of what they can do with bringing back the entire decor except for Nate Beaulieu. But then they ended up getting Kyle Capio Bianco, who, who I watched in Arizona. And I and I don't think he's a bad defenseman. Um, I don't really haven't really seen him get to play in camp or anything. He looked all right. He's okay. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't. He can play. Any- he can play bottom pair in the National Hockey League. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. Better it doesn't, get, it doesn't get you excited like Nola does. That's well, for sure. well, better better injury replacement value than Nathan Boyu. How about that? Sure. Okay. Definitely. But. Now you say that, so then have they have they gone with have they really gone with uh, Dylan Pionk? Is that are we thinking of that as a second pair again this year, or are they still going to try and throw one of the three that we'll talk about, spend all the time talking about? Where's Schmidt at them? If he's is he in the bottom pairing? Yeah, well Schmidt then would be on the bottom pairing with uh, X. Yeah, with X. Most likely, yeah. maybe the edge because Stanley is a fucking plug. And I can't, well, have, I guess Dylan can't have it in my life, man. Like, he's Zeri? he's had so many bad turnovers, man. In preseason, he's fumbling the puck against bargain bin players, and he doesn't play that fast pace, man. He's got to go. No It'd be bottom pairing. You could have Dylan with Schmidt as a bottom pairing, which is absurd that you would have. At the money wise, that's crazy bottom pairing for how much they're getting paid. That, that they'll be the, they'll be the highest paid bottom pairing in the league. No, or, for, right? no, no, they won't be. There's another pair that's higher paid. This where what team? Colorado. How much are they? What's the gap difference? Because like Schmidt's Schmidt's making like five plus, right? Five points something. Yeah, point yeah. Okay, so this guy, this guy Eric Johnson makes six. Six, yeah. Well, yeah, this year. 
because he's going to get paired with Sam Gerrard. That's their bottom pairing. All healthy. How much, is he, how much is he making? Five. That's an 11 million bottom pair. Jesus. Yeah. And that's no, because... I do like, I do like Dylan. But, uh, but that's, because, that's because Colorado's top pair is Makar and Taves. And then Josh Manson with Bo and Byram, which is less cost combined than Johnson alone, is the second pairing. And legit, that's the way they're going to run it. You know what I think the consideration will be too, as far as how they do those uh, those the mid pair, the mid pairing and the bottom pairing is: Are you going to run Granola on a strong side or his weak side? If he if he's the guy you choose, and so that will that will dictate. You know, if he if they're running him on his strong side, which would be the right side, right? Um, then he, then they'll have Dylan on the left, right? But then yeah. Schmidt's playing. Schmidt can play either or. But do you well, want Schmidt? Look, here's the deal: the strong side of Pion, you know, but. Pionk's playing top four. Yeah. I, I, like, I like Dylan. Personally, I like Dylan getting more minutes with Pionk. He's a big body, strong guy. I love the way Pionk. He's a poor man, right-hand defenseman, top pair. Mm-hmm. He, he, won't, he won't, as I have argued and argued and argued, um, be the guy that allows J-Mo to pop. No, I think he also, because he also has more of a, Offensive-minded approach. He's got the spinneramas, the dirty spinneramas, and the he's got the wheels, and he's he's looking to jump up there. I think that his style of play will fit what Bones is trying to do very well. And if you put him with a lockdown defender, I think both those pairings make more sense. Demello knows his role, and he's playing with Jamo. He's gonna stay back a little bit more. You know, he's got a couple of points at the end of the preseason and shit. You know, he, he knows his role. He's not going out there to snipe poles and jump up and. And try to be that guy. It was two years into being in Winnipeg to score his first like goal. Yeah, yeah, it's not a. He's not a big uh, point. Yeah, but uh, but no, that's they still need to upgrade that top pair. Nate Schmidt should have been the guy with J Mo. It doesn't work, but it doesn't work. Neil Pionk and J Mo doesn't really work, and then we get stuck with the mellow exact same retired retread that we had. So. Yeah, basically, I would think that uh, from what I've heard, Schmidt and Dylan would be third pairing because Pionk's going to play top four. And then it's that, that battle between Sandberg, Stanley, and Enola, although Capio Bianco has actually well, not been cut. I'd say that if that is how things shake out, you're saying our bottom six is going to be like Colorado's, the high paid bottom, bottom guys with Schmidt and Dylan, then my money's on Sandberg. Because Sandberg is a big body guy, uh, he's 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 stronger down low, wins more battles, looked pretty good in the preseason. So my money's on Sandberg getting that spot to play alongside Pion. That's pretty nice. You know? But then, do you not? And this is my argument. At that point, if Sandberg beats out Hanola, which is I'm I'm down with that. Okay, I don't think Hanola's done enough. I think he still needs to skate out of his zone on ex- exits, not do passes up the zone. He really needs to like watch Sam Gerrard and how Sam Gerrard manages as a smaller player to play in the national hockey league. Gerrard just gets back there, gets the puck and he's outside his own blue line, like five seconds later. And he doesn't have to worry about passing it out or the yeah. forward Bones being in the made, right spot. Uh, that, remember Bones did mention the fact that like, there is a little bit of responsibility that has to be put on the floors to come back into play. And you can't be straight West Coast and when you're coming back to break out of the zone either. So that definitely affected him too. He had that one whiff where he, he had a terrible turnover, but then well, later on in the game, he made there a play. More. There were more. I think I think like we've got rose-colored glasses on when it comes to Vili Hinola. I think the Winnipeg Jets fans do. I don't think they can objectively look at Hinola and and see that he's not quite ready defensively. Like, that's it. Look, all the upside on it. And you, we talked about this, 11-7, if yeah, you could shelter them. If they do 11-7, yeah. then you but, can right? But, but just like Pomo, Bones likes a 12-6 and six set. He likes running four lines. Absolutely on the record in Dallas saying that exact wording. I like 12-6. I don't like dressing seven. But we'll see, right? Like, people all sometimes – They'll change a little bit depending on their lineup. The lineup he had in Dallas was not nearly as dynamic as the one he has in Winnipeg, and he didn't have a Billy Hanola waiting in the wings 
potentially to come in and be that seventh guy. But that, but that seventh guy and using Hanola with that situation would be good. And you could theoretically keep one forward and carry two D or I don't know, you can put Stanley on waivers. Like he's too, right? Like if you're playing like a Montreal, a smaller team, maybe you have Nola in the lineup. Um, and, and if and on bigger teams, you have Sandberg in the lineup, that kind of thing too. You play around with that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that, but you want these guys playing every day. This is a problem. If Nola makes this team, he has to play. Yeah, I know. And that's, that is the thing, man. I'm telling you, like, gone to enough moose games, watched enough of them. Have buddies that go like all the time talk about him. He like stands out every time. It's like he's that in between stage where it's like you have to decide: are you going to go all in with him and accept some of his mistakes, learn on the fly, and uh, and go with him and and have those teachable moments? And you know you have to accept some of the the the, the bad to get the good. Are you willing to do that at this point? Because like you got to make a decision on him. Otherwise, he's going to be a Sam Unique, which is which I think he's substantially better than Sam Unique. But I think like. The Moose, when you watch him play, he's, he's just head and shoulders above them, just like Gus, just like Barron. Like, when you watch them there, play, they're way still, better than everybody. There's still, like, and, and the thing on it, too, though, um, is that you've got nine defensemen. Most teams carry seven. Winnipeg's at the point where, to get this down, they've got to move a defenseman out of this, uh, out of this group, minimally one. This, this this new acquiring this left winger situation, this new guy, that's a wrinkle that's not necessary. And now now one less spot. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to shake out. It was complicated enough before they added some random, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that weaver wire pickup. Um, but as far as we go, as far as we go on this stuff, like, when you're looking at the defense, I thought they just had to cut one more defenseman. And then I kind of looked at it and said, okay, well, are we going to go, are they going to go with, you know, putting Capio Bianco through waivers probably clears, right. um, you know, but the other thing on it is that there's still one extra D and that's it before they added Stanley. this player. So can now we're back. Him? We're back up to three cuts. Can they cut Stanley? No. Is that an option? Could you just cut him, put him on waiver? Yeah. That's an option. Yeah. He could get picked off of waivers, but it's an option. Does he have his two ways? Is he able to go to the moose? You know? No, so if that was the whole point. That's why Stanley were just done with Stanley. That's why that's why they had to clear roster spots for these guys. The only one that's waiver exempt is Hinola, which means as much as Winnipeg fans, he goes down. Yeah, that's just the easiest move to make by far. Yeah. But then the decision is are you gonna roll Stanley last few years? This fucking Bambi character man who had his moment in the sun in the playoffs a few years back. But let's be serious. He does not fit the style they're trying to play, and his ceiling doesn't seem that high. He's a big guy. He takes dumbass penalties all the time, like even in the preseason. He just doesn't think the game sometimes the right way, and uh, too many turnovers. I don't see. I don't see it, man. Like I'm not. I don't know how. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a Stanley hater. Well, you know what? I was trying to think of a team that was a slower team where he would fit in, and and be a good fit. And I don't know. I. Not even in our division do I think there's a team really. I mean, he probably helped Chicago because they literally have no D. Um, but he's a big, but he doesn't have a big shot. You know what I mean? He's a big guy, but he doesn't really crush people. He was you know, a bit telegraphed, bit telegraphed on. He tried to be a bit more physical, I thought, in camp. Um, but his attributes, he's just too slow for this Jets team. Yeah, and I feel like when he does get aggressive, sometimes it's in the wrong spots. When he plays over, he'll try to do a little extra, try to be that tough guy. But, like, during the actual play, stepping up and crushing guys, hitting guys in spots where you're separating them from the puck and turning the puck over, that's what you need. You don't need the after-the-whistle things 24-7. You want a guy that will stick up for people. But I think they have enough guys that will do it as a team. You know, they'll, they can stick up for each other. I'm not sure you need a big guy like that on the back end. He's not going to be the guy that's the tough guy on the team, really. He's not going out there scrapping every three or four nights and fighting the other guy's tough guy and changing the momentum or something. You know what I mean? So, like, maybe that's not necessary. Maybe for this team, we're more of a skilled team, a puck-moving team, and he needs a guy. Sandberg, that's why he's the fit now. He's smoother. 
and uh, his upside is greater. I think I think he's just he's got the size, but he's got more skill than Stanley. Hundred yeah, percent, man. Yeah. He did a couple of really subtle moves. I don't know if you were watching. I can't remember which game it was. To be on some blanket. But here's here's the thing: off the boards that were just like subtle moves where he's just really strong on the puck and just quick outs out of the zone. Like I don't know, he just. He's, he thinks if, the game. If if you want Hanola in the lineup, what you did is you moved on from Nate Schmidt to free that spot up. Yeah, that's, that's what you do. It's that's, that's what you do. Yeah, that's that, but that's not happening. Yeah, but that, but that's the move. Alrighty, the Jets also lost Johnny Koviasevic. Um, right shot, left hand, right hand east. Um, 25 years old, Montreal claimed him on waivers. So he was lost. So do you think they're going to be confident putting any of the other guys on waivers other than, yeah, somebody picks up Stanley, but saves Winnipeg from it. Are they going to make a move? They got too many guys and Stanley has not been good enough to make this roster. He's had a terrible preseason. He's been the worst. I'd say the worst. The worst player on him. So, so even with Billy, even if Billy goes down because he's exempt, so yeah. Jets don't lose him, there still has to be really one more guy. So it's either Stanley or Capio Bianco. They probably both clear, but maybe some other team takes a flyer on them. They're, they're on the cusp of injury replacement value NHL defensemen and both the same age. About to enter prime years. Yeah. They're a year away from being 25 each. But they're they're basically maxed at bottom pair value for two to three years left, and then they won't be then they to be honest, I just don't care. When it comes to yeah. them, it's just my you know, let's move on, let's move forward. Let's figure out if Schmick can stick around for a while or what. He had a good preseason actually. He looked nice in the games I've seen him play, he was he's playing very well. For the most part, uh, well, this style now he's bought into it. This is this has probably got a little more uh, flair to it than I don't want to say Dallas had that with the jumping up of the D, but it also reminds me of Vegas when they were running around when Schmidt was in Vegas. Remember doing I that stuff. I talked to you earlier, like uh, not online here. Uh, I was talking to you about the sweet play uh, by Lambert, where Schmidt jumped up into jumped up in the slot, found that soft spot, and then got the shot on, sniped it from the slot. He didn't score, but it was a sweet play. Mm-hmm. He had a few looks like that uh, early, like in the preseason, where he just but, was making good reads. But also, if he's with Dylan, if that's the theory on it, um, yeah. then he's got the ability to jump in. And the other thing I would say, if they go with that set, there's not really any of those D pairings that really, they should spread it out. Like, yeah, I was just thinking that all you could balance that out. Yeah. Especially if you want to. So you're you're gonna run the six, it's decent. It's just not outstanding. There isn't a top pair right hand defenseman. Sorry, Dylan DeMello. You're not. Um I just think Morrissey's gonna have the breakout season. I, I just think he's gonna he's he I, was unbelievable. It, the way his game changed last season, the the steps he's taken, I think he's gonna oh, take yeah. one step. But and, he's always he's always since like Buff and Truba are gone, had to basically carry whoever plays with him. Yeah. I still think with DeMello, he still has to do that. And I don't care. I don't care. People love DeMello. I know that. I'm comfortable with him, man. I'm comfortable with him. Like, being with him. I, I'd like to have a more impactful right-handed defenseman in that spot, but I'm comfortable with him. I'm just ready to watch yeah. J-Mo do the thing on the power play. And, and, well, it works know, out. But I do, like, I do like Sandberg better with Pionk. That's my choice. But I don't think Billy did enough. And unless you're going to go seven and let him do special teams and shelter his minutes and play him, yeah, against the run and gun teams, play him against the Colorados, not the heavy teams, but don't have him play against St. Louis. Um, And you know what I mean? And Philadelphia, maybe not a good idea. Um, But you know what? Like there'd be times on it, but his development, he should be all situations playing with the moose. You bring him up an injury replacement, but really injury replacement for if Pionk or Schmidt, one of the puck moving guys, goes down. Yeah. 
Like, that's what you do with it. Like, that's my honest opinion on it. Now, like, take it for what it's worth. There's too many D, this group, well, Chevy all day off. Like, basically didn't make a roster spot for all these D. Winnipeg's already lost one to the waivers and potentially one more. Although, at this point, nobody's sad to see Stanley go. And nobody watched Capio Bianco play because nobody watches Arizona. I might be the only one outside of Arizona itself that actually watches that team play. He only had a really small sample size. He looked like a decent player, but I mean, when you got to pick between the other guys. Look, he's a capable bottom pairing NHL defenseman. Like, honestly, I'd, I take Capio Bianco over um, Nathan Beaulieu over the last couple of years, having watched both of them. Yeah. Well, Bo, you's playing. He's still in the league. Really? Yeah, he signed a deal uh, with whoever he had his PTO with. Anaheim? He made it. Yeah, he did a PTO. Did a PTO and made the team. Signed a deal. He didn't get laid? No. Interesting. Yeah. Good for him. I like Bo, you. I mean, he's not very good, but I like his toughness and his attitude. He's a good team player, but but this organization or somebody in this organization really, um, they they'll give Stanley like five thousand lives. So it might be Capio Bianco getting sent down, and Stanley as a seventh defenseman with um, Sandberg hopefully playing. Yeah, he'll, be scratched, you mean? he'll be the guy in the press box. Yeah. But it, at 24, you're like the argument is is like okay, Stanley probably should play every day as well, but he has to do it in the minors. But the same could be said of Capio Bianco. Like one of those guys is a logical press box guy, while you let Sandberg play every day because he's a year younger, and it's his de- he's still in development. You're about to say his name probably Capo there. Like if he's gonna go. He's going to go play for the Moose. Does that help the team? Is he the kind of player when I look at him? He's not a big guy, right? What's his size? Is he that big? He's not very big. But, but, he, but he, suits, he suits that puck movement game better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like what, he, what, what you, want. you want. Do you want to have a guy comes in and plays like a big body like Stanley to play against the bigger teams? Or you want a guy that transitions into the team and plays the same style? Yeah. Look, bottom player – Bottom pair injury replacement, Capio Bianco, is a safer choice than having Logan Stanley on the ice. Oh, yeah, I want Stanley. Period. Period. Like, that's it. Garbage. Yeah. All right. So, you you want to uh, Brad Lambert some love? I mean, it's not enough time, man. The kid is so dynamic and so sick. Uh, Everybody's wild, obviously, by the overtime play. That was unbelievable. The confidence to try to pull that move off. And then he did. He addressed the dude and almost sniped it for the OT winner. Sick move in the shootout. Didn't score. But, like, just – I remember watching – I was watching with Buddy and just, like, every two seconds getting up. I was rewinding the TV to watch the play. I was like, was that Lambert? Was that Lambert? Yep, yep, yep. Multiple times. His, uh, his patience with the puck. Um, his ability to pass. To be honest, we, like, heard of him as more of a sniper. Didn't realize he had that playmaking ability. And – um the way he was, I knew he was fast, but his, his handle, the way he was breaking ankles and uh, dangling, controlling the play. Uh, obviously, the tic-tac-toe goal that never counted was pretty epic and exciting to watch. He had the puck in the slot, hesied, waited, got, made the guy, faked the guy out, gave it to Perfetti. Perfetti one touches over the ball. Like, who didn't want to see those guys play together? I was so disappointed that they didn't get a game together or two games together. I would understand why we would play the last game, but. He only played one or two shifts, one shift maybe after because Wheels is in the box for five minutes, right? There's some rough housing that happened after the whistle. Wheel, Wheeler gave a guy an uppercut and he's in the box. That's the only reason that he got the time on the power play with him and was unbelievable. You know, it would have been nice to see that a little more. Um, I also liked, I told you before, um, we talked about how he back-checked really hard. His speed could be a difference maker getting back into play, that he doesn't quit on plays. When he had a brutal turnover in his own end, uh, people, people just be like, oh, that's a rookie mistake. That's why he has to go down to the moose. But, like, the effort level that he had coming back, he dove head first, like Superman style and poked the puck. And, and he didn't get it fully, but he got enough of it that it affected the play. 
It's like he could have just like hung his head on the turnover and they have a backdoor tap. But I didn't see that, you know, and I didn't see him, see him get beat up on the boards. I didn't see him panicking on plays. I saw him make nice little chip off the board, chip off the glass plays to get the puck out when it was necessary. It wasn't all flash and dash. I feel like his IQ's there. And just like his ability to play on a line of Perfetti, you know, hit the speed element that he'd add to that line. Just in my head, I was just getting so excited. I know everybody's like, what's well, a hype train? It's like, but it's just a lot of the little small IQ plays that he made that I really liked. He's young though, right? He's 19 years old. So, and he has 18. options. So 18. 18. Like yeah. crazy. We got him 30th overall. Like that is mind blowing, man. Like he was top three ranked for like a solid year when they were NHL scouting across the board, top three guy. And we got him at 30 and he looks like a top five player. Like they look different. There's always like the top five and then there's the gap between everybody well, else. That's when it pegs them all. Grab a so guy like, in the first round that drops. Everybody, you know, who decided that. Perfetti supposed to go top five. Yeah. Drops yeah. to 10. Yeah. Lambert drops. Should have probably gone top five. Drops to 30th. Chevy, everything falls in his day off. You know, I mean, like everything, yeah, but falls, like, everything falls in his lap. You know, just here you go. Here's the beauty. But they, but they still do that. I would like, I would like them to stop. You know, every first rounder, the higher first rounder, when they've got one, it's always a U.S. national development program kid, year after year. And Nathan Smith from a few years ago didn't even sign with Winnipeg. Yeah, that's you know, so. But anyways, yeah, but back to Labert. Like, I mean, that is a player people should be excited about. And the move to go to the Moose, that's nice. So he's going to be right here. Everybody can go check him out on the regular. So that's exciting, the opportunity to go watch him play and um, probably play with Anola on a power play, get to know each other a little bit better, which is good if they're going to transition up to the Jets eventually. And uh, Harkins is now going to be there, right? And uh, they're going to have – the Moose are going to have a good team, uh, This I feel like, this year so. Be a good place for him to develop. He'll be just, he'll just be a few minutes. He'll just be a call away from if there's an injury situation, call him up, especially in the top six, yeah. obviously. So, all right. So, Axel Johnson, and, and I'm not even sure if it's fall by because it's F J A L L B Y. So, I might not be, I might not be pronouncing this guy's name right, but this is the guy that Winnipeg got off the waivers today while we're recording this. Uh, what did I say? 24 games with uh, Washington last year. Yeah, you, like said, you said the A, you put up a point again, Proxmo, about just shy? Yeah, just shy in 44 games. That's not bad. This one on sec. Yeah, because we had five-on-five five time on ice just over 11 minutes um, last year with Washington. So, yeah, 20 – sorry, 23 games, two goals, two assists, four points, um, 34 points in 44 with Hershey of the American League. So not quite. But it's still on the better – over half. And you're saying how how it works out is he has to stick with the club or that's a put back on waivers, is that right? Yeah, well he had, he would have to go through waivers. Washington would be allowed to even put a claim in to get him back. If you think of what happened with Eric Comrie that year, where he basically looped around and ended up back in Winnipeg, because you have to stay on the NHL roster. Um yeah. I'm not for, sure everybody cares that man, so that's that's a good thing to point out. Actually. Yeah, so so now Winnipeg has to have like so they went from I think they had 25. So now they got 26 in camp, three over, because this guy has to be part of the 23. Or Stanley, bye bye, obviously, because he's brutal. Right? So that's one. They have to cut two more guys. Two more guys. Hanolo goes down because he's, he's, uh, he's, he has options, right? So yeah. one other dude has to go. And who goes? Then that's why I said this, this affects Dominic Ton and Adel. This affects David Gustafson. This affects. I don't want to hear anything about that, man. Gus isn't going anywhere. That's just complete shenanigans. But you're right. It's Toninato. It's Gus. It's uh, Menelainen. Menelainen, like, for this guy? Like, no. No. Well, wait. Come on. You you don't have a scouting report on this guy? I don't have a scouting report on him, but I need <laughs> the guy as well, man. Like, I'm just – how do you just come in? Okay, he just comes in, hasn't played a day, and he's bye-bye. Four points and – 20 something games is going to replace Metalinen, six foot four, six foot five, 220. Tonanato has years of experience, had a great preseason, and uh, can do the PK and all the, all the rest for you. And you're going to boot it for this guy for uh, Welcome to the Jungle, Axel, there? Unless we don't know about a injury that's 
like going to be serious like like what if Dubois heard and it, he really is going on LTIR then then that's where that's you're picking up a body yeah but that's that's literally and I and I don't know that for a fact by the way don't quote me on that he's supposed to be I think ready for opening night but yeah the it was really odd especially because like Harkins isn't even on the team and left wing center slash yeah like so many you know like a a smaller six foot left winger you don't need that yeah that was on nobody's radar who saw that coming what needs that what do we need that i don't know something's up man well you take the wheels off you better look and get look into the axles eh <laughs> like butter, like butter, butter. Thanks to Warren Smith for this special throwback Winnipeg Jet first class podcast. Some housekeeping. Left hand defense, Villy Hanola, was sent down after we recorded as a waiver exempt player. He won't have to clear waivers. Forward Alex Johnson fell by, picked up off waivers, does require a visa to join the Jets, so his time frame for joining the team is indefinite. That kept all the forwards we talked about in the podcast up with the big club. And another clarification, left-hand defenseman Dylan Sandberg is also waiver-exempt, not just Hanola. Likewise, forward Saku Menelainen is as well. Menelainen and Sandberg have made the roster. Tired of long waits and rushed care at the ER and urgent care clinic? Next time, stay home and let Dispatch Health bring the power of the hospital to you. I call Dispatch Health. A care team of medical professionals actually come to your house. They're the same caliber of people that you would see if you were at a hospital or an urgent care. Dispatch Health can treat most non-life-threatening emergencies. They can do the x-rays, they can do stitches. Urinary tract infections, blood tests, urinalysis, ultrasound. It's almost everything that they can do at the ER. You never feel rushed. They're there for you and only you. I felt like their only patient. And it costs no more than a trip to urgent care because Dispatch Health is covered by most insurance, including Medicare. See if we serve your home at DispatchHealth.com. Dispatch Health really went above and beyond. It's wonderful to have care come to your home. House calls are back and they're better than ever. Learn more at DispatchHealth.com.